Amen. Won't you take your copy of the revelation that you have of the Word of God and turn to John. Go back to John 18 and we're going to continue looking at what Jesus said and look at some, ask some questions or try to deal with a couple principles from this passage as well as just, just pose some questions about this particular kingdom. John 18 in verse number 36. But I have thoroughly been richly blessed. It has been rich as it always has. Every time I read it, I'm blessed by the things that God has been showing and giving me as I've been going through it. And I pray that they'll continue to speak to me and I pray that he'll continue to speak to you. Every time we go through a particular book, after we have gone through it several times, you always ask, God, really, you know, speak to me the message that you have for me right now. Teach me your word. Give me understanding on it. And we know that he is more than able to do that. He desires to show us his truth. The scripture says in John eighteen thirty six, And Jesus answered and said, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews, but now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? And Jesus answered, You say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. And everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Father, we thank you again tonight as we continually come before you and ask you to help us as we open up your truth, that you would speak to us tonight, that you would speak to us from it, that we would comprehend it, have an understanding of it. We know outside of your uh, divine touch of illumination and the manifestation of your anointing upon our life to know all things. Uh, this would be impossible. So we, we come before you recognizing that this is a living word that has a living teacher that has to teach it to living souls. And we approaching you and asking you to do that for us. We're thankful that we can hear your voice, that we can follow you, and we praise you for your grace and mercy and gentleness over our life. Uh, we as your sheep are at your mercy. Thank you. We praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, we have to, uh, personally, when I when you see words like kingdom and king and a born and for this cause, it, it, it should lead us to ask some questions or, or really look at some principles. And I've jotted these down and I just want to share with you some of these questions that I have or really some pointed statements about this passage and, the, and how we can connect it to the truth throughout the Word of God, I'm just going to throw them out there, seven of them, and I pray we'll be able to work our way through them tonight before we depart from here. Uh, simply, I must, number one, I must come to the realization that there is a kingdom that is not of this world. As we see in this passage, Jesus says to us, my kingdom 
is not of this world. So we have to, we as the believer, we as the student of the word, we as the disciple, we as the brethren have to come to the realization that there is a kingdom. And being there is a kingdom, according to our passage, the kingdom is not of this world. That that is important for us to begin at that place because we have found as we've actually traveled through the scriptures, in John particular, for an example, this kingdom that is not of this world that has actually infiltrated this world. Think about what John 1 says. For in the beginning was the Word. Now what does it say in verse 14 of John 1? The Word became flesh and dwelt or tabernacled among us. And we find that this Word that became flesh is of another kingdom. And that kingdom has a king over that kingdom. And therefore, we've seen from the very beginning of the Gospel of John, which we, we've already discussed these things and talked about them, John 1 precedes Genesis 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and, and, and it goes to say that everything that was created was created through the Word. So that tells us what is prior to Genesis 1 that says in the beginning, and God created the heavens and the earth. Well, John 1 tells us that the Word is the one that created the heavens and the earth. So John 1, 1 through 1, 3 precedes what was mentioned in Genesis Chapter 1, verse 1, we know that that word who came to this earth and was born of a woman, a virgin who had not conceived of natural conception, but by the Holy Ghost of God, came to this earth with a purpose. And he says, the kingdom that he is over is a kingdom that is not of this world. So I must come to that realization that I serve a kingdom and the kingdom that I serve doesn't belong to this world. I, I am a citizen of another world, of another kingdom, and I'm passing through. Now, he's left me in this world. He's actually left me and sent me in this world. We, we realize in John 17, he prayed to the Father, Father, I don't ask you to take my people out of the world, but I do ask you that you would sanctify them, and you would sanctify them by your truth. For your word, Father, is truth. And as you sent me into the world, I send them into the world to represent the kingdom that I and now them belong to. And that is a kingdom that's from another place. It's out of this world. So as a believer, I must come to the, to the realization that there is a kingdom that is not of this world. We, we are in it. We are serving in it. And if you look over in John chapter 7, we shall see what he says here as a result of being part of this kingdom that is from another world, serving this king that's from another world, bearing witness to the truth of this king that's from another world. He helps us realize that because we're not of this world, we don't fit in with this world. He says in John 6, in verse number 6, I mean, excuse me, John 7, verse number 6, then Jesus said to them, my time has not come yet, but your time is always ready. His brothers wanted him to go with them. And he says in verse 7, the world that you belong to cannot hate you. 
But the world you belong to hates me, one, because I'm not of this world. I'm from another kingdom. And because I'm from another kingdom, I testify of it, that is this world, that its works are what? Evil, because I'm, I'm, I'm from another kingdom. And I as a believer, we as believers must come to the conclusion, this, this realization that there is a kingdom and this kingdom is from another world. The second, the second statement that or principle that we need to look at or question that I have to ask, I must come to the understanding that there is a king over this kingdom. There is a king over this kingdom. And he tells us that in our passage, John 18, 36 and 37, Pilate asked him, well then, if you're not of this world, I'd imagine Pilate was thinking he's dealing with somewhat of a sociopath lunatic because he can't fathom this. He's of a, he is a king. Now, I would imagine when Jesus said, yeah, my kingdom is not of this world, Pilate in his mind thinking, well, he's setting up a, a kingdom somewhere on the planet meaning he's from a, another group of people, another nationality, whatever it is. Because remember, there was nothing from a legal, legitimate standpoint that Pilate had against Jesus. He, he did everything he could to turn them back over to the Jews. He knew this was a, an issue of, of religious preference, and he didn't want anything to do with it. He did his best to just squelch it and turn them back over and the Jews kept crying out crucify him, crucify him, we don't want him we hate him, he said that he is God, Pilate was even warned by his wife not to have anything to do with this man let him, don't, don't have anything to do with this, free yourself from it and he's asking Jesus these questions and Jesus is not necessarily giving him everything he wants from him and he says, well, are you a king? Yes, I am a king, but my kingdom is not of this world. So Pilate is not thinking heaven kind of kingdom. He's not thinking from that perspective. Even though Jesus made claims he's the son of God, that he was sent for this purpose, even though he's telling Pilate, he's speaking directly to him, for this purpose I was born, for this purpose I come in the world to bear witness to the truth, he could have been talking to that wall over there because it had no bearing on who Pilate was. We even see later when he's talking with him and Jesus doesn't answer him the way Pilate thinks he ought to answer him and Pilate looks at him and says, Son, do you realize who you're talking to? That I am Pilate. I have authority over this empire that you're in right here and I have the power to crucify you, to execute you, to sentence you to death or I have the power to release you. Do you realize who you're talking to? And Jesus just calmly says, you don't really know who you talk to. <laughs> My father has granted you this. You don't have power except what he's given you to have power. He didn't fight with him. He didn't rebel against him. But boy, the power in his statement. The power you have, the authority you have, Pilate, has been given to you by my father. And you have no power over me except what's been given to you. No man's going to take my life. I'm going to lay my life down from my sheep. Amen? Amen? So we see here that this kingdom, we have to come to the understanding that if there is a kingdom, and there is a kingdom, and if there is a kingdom, this kingdom is of another world, and this kingdom must have a king, and I want to tell you his name is Jesus. He is the king over his kingdom. And therefore, if I belong to this kingdom, I'll have a king. 
And my king is not of this world. He's of another world and he is who I am subject to. This king that now I serve. So we ask these questions. First one, that I have to come to this realization that there is a kingdom and this kingdom is not of this world and that this kingdom has a king over it. Look at Matthew chapter 25. Matthew 25 real quick. We'll see it, uh, this picture again. We want to have an understanding of these things. And the Bible as a whole is filled with the revelation of these principles. We're just scratching the surface on these things that I'm, I'm going to um, present to you tonight on basis of this kingdom. But in Matthew chapter number 25, look if you would in verse number 31. Matthew 25, 31 says, When the Son of Man comes in His glory, and He's coming, we, we know that, Remember, where is he at? He, he's, he's sitting upon his throne right now. He's making all things subject unto himself. There's a process and a plan that is being laid out by the Father. And until all things are made subject unto him, this is the way things are going to continue the progress, but he's coming. When the Son of Man, who is the king over his kingdom, comes in his glory and all his angels are with him, he will sit on the throne of his glory and all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. He will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then the king, who? The king, who is over his kingdom, who is over a kingdom that is not of this world. A king who's promised to bring that kingdom that's gonna invade this world and give us a new heavens and a new earth one day. These things are coming. Then the king will say to those who are on his right hand, come you blessed of my father, inherit what? The kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. To God be the glory. There is a kingdom. It is not of this world. And this kingdom has a king. So, number three. I must come to the place of knowing that this kingdom has its own principles. It has its own principles of how it functions, what it does. It has its own system, its own system of principles of, of the way that it works. And, and, and the whole Bible is a revelation of those principles. That, that's the neat thing about it. You get in Psalm 119 and you go from beginning to end and it's all about the principles that govern the subjects of this kingdom that the Father has been preparing from the foundation of the world. If we were to look at some of the things about these principles and what God has done for this kingdom to function, we can go to 1 Corinthians 12, and then we can go to 1 Corinthians 13, and we can go to 1 Corinthians 14. That's when Paul was dealing with the church at Corinth and saying, look, the principles of this kingdom have been given and God has his people set up in it. He has people that he's given to do this. He's got people that has been given to do that. And all these principles govern them. 
And that we can do all these things. All these things in this kingdom and these principles are legit. But if you don't have love as the motivation behind these principles that are governing, you're going to miss out on what the kingdom is all about. And then you can actually get into chapter 14. He says you can misuse the principles of the kingdom and take advantage of people or use it on your own self. And you lose out of what the kingdom is all about. And 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 tells us that God is the one governing these principles and He uses certain elements and certain people and he has, a, he has a kingdom set up and He has all His subjects lined out of what they're going to be doing and why they're going to be doing this and what they're doing it for and what's the motivation of it behind it. And He says that it's all about the ministry. It's all about a motivation of love. But we can misuse these principles. And that's important for us. Matter of fact, let me give you a couple of things that I had written down for myself about these principles, for an example, why it's important for us to know the Word and its significance. But let me just give you these. And you could write these down. It goes like this. If I don't know the purpose of a thing, it is inevitable, it is inevitable that at some point I will misuse it. If I don't know a purpose, the purpose of a particular thing, it's inevitable I'm going to misuse it. And that's why it's so important to know the principles of the kingdom. Of why God's equipped me or gifted me to be part of this work. If I don't know that, I'm going to misuse it for something else. So it's important for me to know the purpose of the thing. If I don't know the principle of truth, I will in due time misinterpret the intent of the truth. If I don't know the principle of a truth, I will in due time misinterpret its intent. If I don't know the truth that supports a principle... I will eventually mislead others to lean on their own traditions and opinions rather than the truth. Just mislead others. If I don't know the truth that supports a specific principle, I will eventually mislead others to lean on traditions and opinions and not the truth. It's going to happen. That's why it's important for me to know what supports. That's where the Bible starts talking about having understanding. You understand why a principle is the way it is, why God uses the way he uses it. Because if I don't have understanding of it, I'm eventually going to take something that I don't understand and I'm going to misuse it and then I will mislead others to misuse it because I don't understand it. And we have to have wisdom and knowledge and understanding and discernment to be able to apply these wonderful kingdom principles because if I don't, what happens is I'm going to mislead and misuse them for my own purposes and it's just inevitable it's going to happen at some point in the journey. That's why I want to know what are these principles of the kingdom and the only way to know that is I've got to invest myself in the, in the king, in the way he does things. So, one more. If I don't know how to actively apply truth through faith, I will be a man of empty and weighty standards. That's how 
the, the law will be applied with empty and weighty standards. I'll put more on people than what they could bear. If I, if I do not know how to actively apply truth through faith, because that's the only way truth is applied, it's applied through faith, I will be a man of empty and weighty standards. Meaning, I will put more on what people could actually put to practice in their own life and apply and make a weight and a burden on them rather than the truth setting them free to follow the Lord. Amen. You see, the truth sets you free. Don't put a weight on you. Don't put a burden on you. But if you don't actively apply the truth, but you cast all this weight, that's where people who are legalists, for an example, and a legalist is somebody who is going to put such strenuous weight and burdens on that you that you can't carry and then condemn you for not carrying it. That's what a legalist does. That's not applying the truth in faith and living it out, putting our trust in the Lord. And we don't want to be a legalist. We don't want to walk in licentiousness. That's just walking without the, the, the equipping power of God's grace saying we can do what we want to do. I don't want to be a, a, a liberal and saying that everything's free game, do as you please. I, I want to be, I want to walk in the love of the truth and being able to apply God's wisdom right where I'm at and what I'm doing and encourage my brothers to do the same thing and not put things on them that become such a weight and a burden that they can't actually walk in this which you're telling them to walk in. And that's important for us in these kingdom principles. See, the Jew would put so much weight on the people because that's how they interpreted the law and it became a, a, a burden and not the blessing that it was intended to bring people unto the mercy of God so that they could be free by the grace of God. And, and that's what we want to be. And we struggle. We, we, we're in a daily struggle with legalism. We're in a daily struggle with a licentious lifestyle of doing what we want as we please. We're in a struggle with liberalism that says, okay, it's all right for you to do what you want. I'll do what I want. And, and we, we're, we're free to do that. Or we can walk in the love of the truth and keep our eyes upon Jesus and help equip our brethren to do the same. Amen? Would you not call that religion being religion? Well, anything that is not of the grace of God and walking it is religion. Whether it be liberal, whether it be licentiousness, or whether it be legalism. It's not a relational thing. Right. And you see, when you walk in licentiousness, and that is, it's a free game to do as you want, take up all you can, eat, drink, be merry, have fun, that type of thing, with no, with no principles of grace which teaches us to deny ourselves and to say yes to the Lord and to look for His blessed hope and the glorious appearing. All those things separate us from true, genuine discipleship is looking and leaning on the voice of the Lord and following after Him, which puts difficult things on. He will put more things on we can bear. Now, He can bear it, we can't bear it. But that's part of what He does, so that we will have a sentence of death in ourselves because there is no resurrection power in our daily lives without us having a sentence of death in ourselves. And we, we want to know the fellowship of His sufferings and the power of His resurrection. We want to know all that. We want to know Him. And walk with him. But if I step out and go and do my own thing without him, uh, that, 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 is, that is religion. That is not walking in the power of his grace and him leading me. 
or if I have to attain all this on my own in my own strength. That's religion. That's not depending on Him and walking with Him. So yes, you, you see all these principles have a way of, of, of being misused and abused if I don't understand them and walk in them with the grace and mercy that God has given them for us to accomplish. And that's why it's important that this kingdom has a king and this king is not of this world and this kingdom is not of this world but this kingdom has principles by which it operates and functions and that if I don't know them, eventually it's inevitable I'm going to misuse what he gave me. And, and that's why it's fundamental for us to know what he's given us to walk in and why it's important. So, also look at Micah for an example. Micah helps us. This is part of these principles of the kingdom. And this is a Micah's an Old Testament book. It sits near the book of Jonah and Nahum between those two. It's a short little book. You'll get lost. You won't be able to find it. Go to find Jonah. Then find Micah chapter 6. Our God is the same today, yesterday, and forever. And, and this is still one of his requirements. This is what he asks. What does the scripture say? The just shall live by So we can say it like this as well. Uh, the righteous shall live by Faith. By faith, the righteous shall live. Those are all the same principles. And he says this in Micah 6, in verse number, number 8. He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justly, the just shall live by faith. To love mercy. And to walk humbly with who? Those are, all, those are all relational things. It's, it's one to do justly is how we take what we know and what we understand by faith in our relationship with the Lord because to do justly means that's how we relate to our, our brethren. That's how we relate to mankind. That's how we connect with them. The Bible gives us an illustration of this in Isaiah 28. We have what we call a measuring line and a plumb line. The scriptures describe a plumb line as something that is vertical. When you do a plumb line, it's a vertical picture. And the Bible ties a plumb line with righteousness, meaning to be rightly related to God in his principles and his ways. And he refers to the measuring line as justice. That is something that is horizontal because it's how we rightly relate to God how we then apply that righteousness with mankind in a horizontal plane. So if I am unjust, it's a revelation that I'm not righteous. But righteous people do just things in how they relate to other people. Same way with what the message of the whole law of God is. Love God with what? All that we are, that's being rightly related to Him. And then love who? Your neighbor, justly, as you love yourself. That is being rightly related to God so that we can walk uprightly in the earth and how we deal and treat people in a horizontal plane of justice. Justice is always dealing with people from our relationship of righteousness with the Lord. And that's why, matter of fact, let's find it. I think it's in Isaiah 28. Look at Isaiah 28. Tim, we're back here in the... Older Testament, Isaiah 28. 
If it's not, I know you won't crucify me tonight. But I think it's somewhere in there. Did I say Isaiah 28? Yeah. Look in verse 16. And this image rightly connects this with the Lord. Because everything that God does through his people is going to be done by grace. And because it's of grace, it's going to be done through a relational work through Jesus. Verse 16. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, behold, that is a faith word, isn't it? I'm showing you something, I'm speaking something, I'm saying something that hasn't happened yet. It's going to happen. You can believe it because it will happen. Behold, I lay in Zion a stone for a foundation, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. And whoever believes will not be ashamed. He's not going to act hastily. He's not going to be put on the run. Why? He's going to build his life around this stone. Now we know who the stone is. Who is the stone? Jesus. Who is Jesus? He's the king. Who is he the king of? He's the king of his kingdom. Where is his kingdom from? It's from another world. So here we have it. He's telling us that this king that is from another world is going to be this stone that we not only connect and build around and are joined to, everything we're going to do in life is going to be connected to this cornerstone. He says in verse 17, also, I will make justice, what? The measuring line. That is something that is how you are related to man, your relationship to man, a measuring, horizontal, and righteousness, the plummet, the plumb line. So therefore, we see both pictures. Righteousness is dealing with a vertical relationship with the Lord. Justice is dealing with our relationship to men. And God says, what have I required of you, O man? That you act justly, that you deal justly, and that you love mercy, because all men are falling short of the glory of God. There is no righteous that does not sin. You, you want to be an extension of the mercy of God, for whom God is, is, is merciful and quick to forgive and that he is long-suffering. Our aim is to help people that are not right with him learn how they can get right with him. And they can't clean themselves up before they ever get right with him. He's the one who does that. And, and when we start walking in justice and loving mercy, then we walk humbly with our God. We're dependent on Him, not ourselves. Not dependent on a man to do this, but we're dependent on God to go to work and do this. And we're not taking pride and defending our pride, but we're standing on the promises of God and we're inviting people to join in with us and we're not condemning those that are already condemned. We're doing what Jesus came to do is to testify to the truth and invite others to come follow after Him. They may not follow. They... That, that, they you can't do anything about that. But you can walk humbly with your God. Amen. So we're, we're dealing with principles of this kingdom and why they're so fundamental for us. As a matter of fact, I'll just show you another passage. Go to 1 Peter chapter number 2 in dealing with this idea of this precious and elect cornerstone and how that applies to you and I and how these principles apply to you and I being part of this kingdom. He says in 1 Peter chapter 2, in verse number 6, 1 Peter chapter number 2, in verse number 6, 
the scripture says, therefore, it is also contained. It has been uh, placed in the scriptures. Behold, I lay what? In Zion, a chief cornerstone, elect. The word elect means chosen. It's been chosen by God. It's, therefore, if God chose it, it's precious. And he who believes on him, this cornerstone, shall not be put to shame. He's not going to act hastily. He don't have to worry about his life. He don't have to worry about what he's attached to because he's attached to something that is beautiful, something that is perfect, something that is laid by God, a chosen cornerstone. Verse 7 says, Therefore to you who believe he is what? Precious, but to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the word which they were appointed. Verse 9, but you on the other hand, because you are part of this new kingdom that is from another world that has another king who is the chief cornerstone, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who were not a people but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy but now have obtained mercy. Beloved, I beg you as what? Strangers, Strangers sojourners, and pilgrims. Abstain from fleshly lust that war against the soul. Having your conduct honorable among the kingdoms of this world, that when they speak evil against you, they by your good works which they observe glorify God in the day of visitation. You don't belong in this world, amen? You got a whole other set of principles you live by. So we got a king. This king is of another world. And this kingdom who has a king of another world has a different set of principles by which we should live by. And then we go... Number four statement that I have here. I must come to the understanding of what and who governs these principles. Well, we know the king is the one who governs these principles. But when we look at them, we have to ask the question, well, how does this king work then with us? He's already told us that the just or the righteous shall live by faith. Look at Romans chapter 14. Romans 14 real quick. Y'all ain't no hurry, are you? Romans 14. Romans 14, look in verse number 17. For the kingdom that is not of this world, who has a king that's not of this world, who has principles not of this world, for the kingdom of God is not in what? It's not in eating or drinking. But it is in righteousness. It is in peace. It is in joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and also approved by men. Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for what? Peace. Not eating and drinking. That ain't what makes for peace. Just because you eat something and somebody else don't eat, what's going to produce peace is righteousness and joy and peace in the Holy Spirit. God is what's going to produce this peace, His work of the kingdom. And in verse number 23, just jump down there for uh, time's sake, he says, but he who doubts is condemned if he eats because he does not eat from what? Faith. faith. For whatever is not from faith is sin. 
So we understand that this righteousness, peace, this joy in the Holy Spirit, it is all going to be out of the results of walking or living by faith. Faith is the principle that governs this kingdom. We trust God. We take Him at His word. And when we do, faith then as we walk by faith, we're obedient to his word. And that's how we pursue peace with the brother. And it's not about our preferences. It's not about what we like or dislike or food or anything like that. It's about righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And all that is by, comes by faith. Hebrews 11, you don't have to turn there. But the scripture says it is impossible to please God apart from faith. How do we please God? It's a faith issue. We walk by, we take him literally at his word and we obey him. We faithfully obey him. It is the principles that govern the kingdom. Uh, matter of fact, turn back to that Old Testament, Jeremiah chapter 9. Let's just look at this for a minute. It's one of these verses that every time you read it, you get excited about it. You, you set it aside and forget about it. But then when you read it, you're like, oh man, how did I forget? How did I let that get away from me for so long? It's one of my favorites, man. Every time you, it's just one of those that'll do that to you when you read it. And when I read it, you're going to know what I'm talking about. Verse number 23 of Jeremiah 9, 9:23. These are, are principles, the way of the kingdom that is rooted in faith. The just shall live by Faith. There is no other way to live in this kingdom other than by faith. Verse 23 says, For thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. That sound familiar? Y'all know this verse. Let not the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. Because the kingdom of God is not about wisdom from a man or might from a man or riches from the man. But if a man's going to glory, if he's going to glory about anything, let him glory about this, that he understands and he knows me. That I am the Lord exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. And for in these I delight, says the Lord. Amen. Amen. Now ain't that a good word right there? That's living by faith. Let a man not glory in the fact that he's come up with something. He's smart. Let him not glory because he's strong. Let him not glory because he's got silver in his pocket. It doesn't matter how wealthy you are, how smart you are, how intelligent you are, how strong you are. None of that matters. If, if we're going to glory in anything, we simply glory that we know him. Amen. And that we understand that it's he who works love and kindness. And that it's him who does judgment and righteousness in the earth. And that we want to be part of these kingdom principles, living by faith. And these are the things that he delights in. Amen? Amen. Mm. Come to the understanding of what and who governs these principles. Number five. I must come to the place of knowing why this kingdom exists. I must come to the place of knowing why this kingdom exists. Well, you know, the king came to this earth to bear witness to the truth. That's what he tells us, John 18, the passage that we started out in. Jesus said, for this cause I was born and for this purpose I've come into the world to bear witness to the truth. To bear witness to the truth of the kingdom. To bear witness to the truth that he is a king. To bear witness to the truth of the principles of the kingdom. To bear witness to the truth. We, we, we see that. 
and we understand. Matter of fact, this will just carry on. Look in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And we'll see why we exist and what happens when we do bear witness to the truth. 1 Corinthians 1. He says in verse number 29. Goes right along with what we just come out of in Jeremiah. That no flesh should glory what? Why? Because of him, because of this kingdom outside of this world, you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God, not only wisdom from God, but he is our righteousness, he is our sanctification, he is our what? Redemption. That as it is written, he who does any glory, let him glory where? We exist to bring glory to God's name. Amen? Amen. And we do that best when we live by faith and bear witness to the truth. We bring glory to his name. Look at Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4. Like I said, they, they, we just scratching the surface of these pinpointed scriptures that give us evidence of reason. Notice what we have in Revelation 4, 11. When this host is given praise and glory unto him who sits upon the throne, the king over this kingdom, who's promised he's coming, who's going to separate the sheep and the goats, he says in verse number 11 in Revelation 4, you are worthy, who? O Lord. To receive what? Glory. Glory and honor and power. For you created all things. And by your will, they exist and were created. We were created to bring glory and, and honor and power and praise and to do the will of God upon this earth. We were created to do God's will. We were fashioned to do his will, to bring glory to him. And that only comes by living by faith, by bearing witness to the truth, understanding and knowing that we have a king and this kingdom is not of this world and neither are we. Amen? Amen. Number six. Number five, I must come to the place of knowing why this kingdom exists. Because if it exists for this purpose, and I am part of it, this is part of, this is, I exist for this purpose. I got to know why the kingdom exists. Statement six, I must come to an understanding of the subjects who make up this kingdom. Who are the subjects that make up this kingdom? Well, John gives us all kind of indicators all the way through it. He calls them children of God. He calls them those who must be born again, born from above. He calls us sheep in John chapter 10. My sheep shall know my voice and they shall what? Follow me. And he told the people who were listening to him, couldn't understand me. He said, I told you, you can't understand me because you're not my sheep. You don't belong to me. Because the subjects of his kingdom are, are, are sheep. They've been born again. He says, as we looked at a couple Wednesday nights ago in John 10, remember he said he talks about us in these verses when he says, uh, I, I lay my life down for the sheep, for the Father loves me, but I have another fold, and they're all going to be one fold. I have another group, the Gentiles. I have another group of people that haven't been born yet. They, they, 
they, I must bring them to the Father. Matter of fact, look in John 10 real quick. Now just look at it. Because I like passages when he talks about me. Amen. I know he doesn't mention me by name, but he's talking about me. John 10. This is the subjects that make up the kingdom. He calls a sheep. He says in verse number 16, And other sheep I have which are not of this fold. Them I must bring. And they, the them, the sheep, will hear my voice. And there will be one flock and one shepherd. Amen. God be the glory. One flock, one shepherd, both Gentile and Jew. Sheep that belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. They are the ones who make up the subjects of this kingdom. And that's why Jesus said, you must be born again. You must be born from on high. You must be born from above. You've got to be born into this new kingdom. Amen. You've heard me say this. If I don't die before I die, I won't live when I die. Because I'm not part of the kingdom that's everlasting. You catch that, Miss Pope Joy? It, it twists me all up. <laughs> <laughs> if I don't die before I die, I won't live when I die. Uh, Simply saying that a man, it's not enough for a man to be born once, he's got to be born twice. But, die, but when a man's born again, he dies to who he is. Jesus said, if you want to save your life, you'll lose it. But he who loses his life for my sake shall win it. If I don't die before I die, I won't live when I die. And actually, I won't live while I'm living. Because he said, I come to give life and life more abundantly. To who? Not to everybody. But a sheep, right? The thief cometh to what? Still kill and destroy. But the good shepherd comes to give my sheep life and life more abundantly. If I don't die before I die, I won't live when I die. And number seven, I must come to the place of revelation of my part in this kingdom. Of my part in this kingdom. And that would be found in places like Ephesians 4, where God says that he's given some to be apostles and some prophets and some pastors and some teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry for the kingdom work till we all come to the revelation of the knowledge of him who fills all in all gotta know my part in this kingdom role uh, you can go to Hebrews 10. That's why he says, Brother, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. But as you see the day of approaching, even more so, gather together and stir one another up on with for love and good works. You know, as part of our role in the kingdom to stir one another up. You've heard me teach on this, knowing how to do church right. This is where we all play our part in this journey that we have in growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord i got to know my part. If I'm part of the kingdom, I've got a part. Amen? God never does anything accidental, does He? He strategically put me in the kingdom for a reason. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5 and verse 12. 
And we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you. Somebody playing their part. Everybody plays a part. One, you got those laboring, you got those who understand and recognize those who are laboring. Everybody plays a part. You got to know your part. Those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake, be at peace among yourselves. You play a major part in that. Now we exhort you, verse 14, brethren, you play a part in this, warn those who are unruly, Comfort those who are faint-hearted and uphold those who are weak. Be patient with who? Be patient with those who are unruly. Be patient with those who are faint-hearted. Be patient with those who are weak. Be patient with those who are over you in the Lord. Be patient with everybody. Verse 15. See that you take no part in rendering evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good, both for yourselves and for all. Rejoice sometimes. No. Oh, you got to play a part in that then. Rejoice always. You play a part. Pray with what? Without ceasing. And in the good things, give thanks. So you play a part in this and everything. Give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Quench every work of the Spirit. Doesn't say that, does it? Do not quench the Spirit. So you play a part. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast what is good and abstain from every form of... We play a part, don't we? I gotta know my part in this work. I must have come to the revelation that I have a part in the kingdom. That I'm an active, faith bearing, truth bearing, Christ loving, looking to, leaning on, subject in the kingdom. I'm a sheep following the master's voice. And I play a significant, vital, major part of the kingdom, even if it seems so little to everybody else because my master gave me the part and my part is a part of the whole and my part is significant for it to take place. So no matter what it looks like to you or anybody else, I can rest assured that my part in the kingdom is a significant part because that's the only kind of part that my father gives out. Amen? I must come to the place of revelation of my part in the kingdom. So I'll run over real quick before we go. Number one, I must come to the realization that there is a kingdom and this kingdom is not of this world. Number two, I must come to the understanding that there is a king over this kingdom and we know his name is Jesus. Number three, I must come to a place of knowing that this kingdom has its own principles. Its own principles. Number four, I must come to an understanding of what and who governs these principles. Number five, I must come to the place of knowing why this kingdom exists. Number six, I must come to an understanding of the subjects who make up this kingdom. And number seven, 
I must come to the place of revelation of my part in this kingdom that I serve. Amen? Amen. Amen. So that helps me in so many kind of ways. Why? Because I know I don't belong here. I know I operate under a totally another set of principles. But I know I've been put in this world to make a difference within this world, to be a difference maker with the principles from the kingdom that's from another world. And I bear witness to that. And I also know that the only way to become part of this kingdom is you've got to be made a sheep. And sheep can only be made if they've been born again. And the only way a sheep can be born again is that they've got to hear the message of the gospel. And I'm a truth bearer of the gospel. I'm a sheep following the master. Matter of fact, I'm a fisherman. Amen. Amen. Who've been given the authority and the power to fish for men because I'm part of another kingdom. So everything about knowing about the kingdom changes how I, I think about the kingdom and therefore how I live in this kingdom while I serve my kingdom that I belong to. Amen? Amen. I'm an ambassador. I'm an ambassador of another kingdom while I live within this realm of this world. To God be the glory. Amen. Amen. Do said for this cause I was born. For this cause I was sent in the world to bear witness to the truth. And that's what he sends us out in to do. Father, we thank you and bless you tonight. We do praise you and just want to honor you. Thank you for being so kind to us. Thank you for your mercy over our lives. Thank you for your revelation. We pray that you'll continue to teach us and help us and that we would, would live under these kingdom principles and that we would recognize who we are, who we belong to, who we serve, and that no man has authority over us outside of what has been granted or given to them. As you told Jeremiah, you exalted him above all the kingdoms, above everybody else, and you gave him a word to walk in and to proclaim. And you told him not to be stunned nor taken by how people will respond to him, but just proclaim what you gave him. And that you would use him in a mighty way. And we believe the same thing that you have, you have called us to do in this day we live in. And we can operate with your authority and with your principles even when people around us cannot recognize it. We're not threatened by that. Whether they know that we belong to your kingdom or not. That's beyond them. Pilate didn't know who he was talking to on that given day. And people in our day, whether they're smart, intelligent, or ignorant, may not recognize who they're communicating with. But nonetheless, we know, and we know who we serve. And we pray that you'll use us in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Love y'all. Y'all have a good night.